welcome to the first episode of Season 3's Distorted Footprints podcast entitled Tongva, The People of the Earth. Distorted Footprints is a critical refugee studies podcast produced at UCLA, a land-grant research university on Gabrielino Tongva land. UCLA acknowledges the Tongva peoples as the traditional land caretakers of Tovangar, Los Angeles Basin, Southern Channel Islands, and is grateful to have the opportunity to work for the Tarahatom indigenous peoples in this place. As a land-grant institution, we pay our respects to the Honukvitam ancestors, Ahiherom elders, and Iohinkem relations, past, present, and emerging. This episode asks, how do we put their refugee stories in conversation with those of the Gabrielino Tongva people who were forcibly displaced from Tongvangar but also have found ways to live and thrive on these lands? As a disclaimer, we would like to acknowledge that we are not speaking for the Gabrielino Tongva people, but rather providing the opportunity and platform to gain a better, more responsible understanding of the importance of their presence. To begin the conversation of healing, it's important to first acknowledge and become better informed about the historical background of the Gabrielino Tongva people. We hope to provide some historical context as a foundation in guiding our conversation today. Delving into the histories of the Gabrielino Tongva people, in Arlie Roy's book, East of East, the chapter, The Tongva People, detailed the origin journey of the Tongva people first settling in the Mojave Desert and traveling to the LA Basin. Because of Spanish and Mexican colonization and the spread of Christianity, the Tongva people suffered from deaths due to disease, rape, exploitation, and the denial of their identity and their culture. In addition to using assimilation as a survival technique, the remaining Tongva population also had to fight for land recognition. Some Tongva people even had to identify and pass as either white or Mexican merely because it was safer for them to do so. Colonization inflicted by the Spanish, Mexico, and the United States led to the displacement of this indigenous community. Learning the underlying history of what was done against the Tongva, coupled with acknowledging that the land that UCLA occupies was stolen from the Tongva people, is an important first step in recognizing the despicable past and using it to build a future that amplifies Tongva voices and stories. Dr. Teresa Stewart Ambo is from the Tongva community, a UCLA alumni and an assistant professor of education studies at the University of California, San Diego. In her article, The Future is in the Past, we have learned that the projects of land-grant universities in California was a setup that resulted in eradicating the vast majority of the indigenous population. During the 1850s, 18 treaties were signed with 118 tribes that agreed to surrender their lands to the U.S. in return for reservation lands and other benefits. Aware of the significant worth of the land, it was undisclosed that a meeting was held by the U.S. to dismiss all treaties and a great number of the indigenous population were relocated to reservations. In California, 
16,524 land vultures were issued to 32 land-grant universities located across the U.S. More importantly, it is significant to note that absolutely nothing was financially offered in return for the land that was taken from the indigenous people. Through the 1868 Organics Act, the University of California was founded while securing enormous profits through obtaining the land grants. The land that is now occupied by UCLA's campus is connected to when Spanish missionaries illegally stole the land in 1771 to build Mission San Gabriel Arcangel. Although UCLA and many other institutions of higher education tend to deny the origins of their land grants by claiming that they were granted, gifted, or purchased, it must not be dismissed by the fact that it was built upon genocide, theft, exploitation, and disregard to the indigenous people. It is therefore crucial to be accountable, have understanding, and reparation as a step towards revealing how the past can change the present and future of higher education. In this section, we have the opportunity to listen to our interview with Professor Mishana Goman to discuss the process going forward on how UCLA as a land grant grant institution can take steps to heal the land that they had once initially stolen from the Gabrielino Tongva people. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today to talk about the Gabrielino Tongva land acknowledgement and the steps UCLA has taken to help this community gain the recognition that they deserve. And um, we wanted to ask if you could um, introduce yourself and kind of your relationship to the Tongva people in UCLA first, if possible. Well, Nyawe Sikan, hello everybody. I'm happy to be here. I'm Professor Mishana Goman. I'm in Gender Studies and American Indian Studies. And I also have affiliated appointments across campus in, in Critical Race Studies and uh, Community Engagement and in the Botanical Gardens. My work is very much about land and land-based pedagogy, which of course always has an gendered element, especially when we consider and think through how property has come to be in colonial states. Um, I first came to UCLA in 2010, 2000, you know, sometimes there's transition periods. Um, and during that time, I had known one Gabrielino Tomba woman, Desiree Martinez. But when I got here, as I always did throughout my childhood and wherever we go, um, we always introduced ourselves to the first people of the land and pay those respects. So there's just been a lot of work to do. And that's how I came when I, when I talked to them about how UCLA could form better relationships to the Tongva. Um, we, we've done a lot of that work by being one of the UC campuses that has returned to ancestors through repatriation processes. Um, we continue to do the work of um, 
making making uh, the land accessible here. But the, one of the first things they wanted to do was an acknowledgement. Before I was appointed special advisor, they had wanted an acknowledgement to begin with. And so I quickly got to work as soon as I was appointed on making that a, a real thing. So um, we quickly set to work using language and I'm happy to talk more about that if you would like. Yes, I mean, this very much leads to kind of like the first question that we were thinking of asking, which was how does the land acknowledgement or the process of forming the land acknowledgement represent what it means to be a Tongva? Like, how does it really represent the Tongva culture, their history, their identity, and their experience? What people don't realize is that um, there are different villages brought together under the mission system. Um, people know what villages their families came from through lineages, various lineages. Um, and those lineages have their own ideas of things, their own cultural elements as well. Um, and it's a really wonderful and beautiful place-based people that are still here in Los Angeles, despite the mass development of their lands, the lack of gathering and harvesting sites, which can be difficult for them. Um, they're still here, they're still doing the best they can within a kind of colonial system in order to continue those practices. So at UCLA, what we see in the acknowledgement is how they wanna form a relationship with, not just with UCLA as a past, you know, there's, it's pretty common for sometimes for land acknowledgements to kind of just acknowledge the loss and acknowledge the stolen or the unseated. We have to acknowledge that. We have to confront that, right? But we don't confront it by saying, oh, we're sorry that happened. We confront that by saying, now what? And they wanted that reflection. They wanted a reflection of ongoing relationships, accountability, reciprocity, relationality. Um, so that forging those relationships and forging a path forward is also part of that. It says we give respect to the ancestors past, present, and emerging. So UCLA students are that emerging part in that acknowledgement. And um, I see things very much emerging now. I see better relationships back and forth. Um, and it's very exciting. It's very exciting to think about the way campus is moving past just the acknowledgement, but also trying to recognize and implement um, implement education and land-based practices that are, that are going to benefit everybody. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, yeah. Um, the next question is, what is important for us to learn more about the Tongva Gabrielino people prior to displacement and during the process of UCLA's takeover of their native land in a critical refugees framework? What I can speak to how it would relate to critical refugees studies in many ways is the fact that um, how Gabrielino Tomva came to be itself is about displacement, the mass genocide that occurred, uh, the, the, the use of forced labor, the use of forced tra sex trafficking, the use of force in general towards Gabrielino Tamva is something that was every bit of the development of Los Angeles and even that ongoing development. 
I think when we talk about these displacements, we can't just talk about them in the past. We have to talk about the ongoing effects it has on contemporary people. It's not something that happens in a moment, but something that is ongoing. One thing that the land acknowledgement did was think about relationality of land and peoples. And so, and not just think about a historic past of the Gabrielino Tampa. So I highly encourage not just thinking of that historical past. Um, I also think that, for instance, at UCLA, we're trying to form better relationships and we're doing that through creating, um, creating processes with the tribes so that they can have gathering and gathering and harvesting rights on campus. There, there are plans in place to make sure that the campus is open to everybody um, and open particularly to the Gabrielino Tomva to do that caretaking work. And there's plans for climb campus resiliency and the plants that are the landscape itself and the outdoor spaces that we have. So one thing I have to say is sometimes I, I really wish our student groups on campus would really take the presence seriously. I highly suggest if people want to know more and what their roles and responsibility, they visit um, first Saturdays at Caravagna Springs. You can come volunteer, work on the land. We, we recently planted beautiful gardens there. And um, as such, it, it, it becomes a place where you can put into action more than just words, right? Like it goes well beyond the acknowledgement and you can learn a lot. You learn a lot about planting there. This takes us to our next portion, which further explores how art is a form of resilience. Tongva murals and chants exemplify what Debarti Sanya calls arts of resistance in her 2017 article entitled Kalai's Jungle, Refugees, Biopolitics, and Arts of Resistance. So we started this uh, mural last semester with Joe Garza, the artist, and it's called a uh, grandmother uh, mural. It encompasses our stories um, with the big old tree in the center um, holding up Mother Moon. And of course it has the warriors uh, wearing different jewelry. Um, the turtle is holding up this, the oak tree, which represents strength for our people. Um, that was our main staple of food um, because we didn't have wheat in California. We used the oaks for everything you make with wheat today. Um, the turtle represents a tr the story of how California was formed and um, and why we have earthquakes. And so the turtles uh, also represent um, uh, a lot of our stories, being on Turtle Island and who we are today. Uh, he's uh, the protector of the knowledge. He's, he has, you know, he has the shell that covers him and represents the four directions and uh, of the turtle. And he's just a peaceful, but very patient person, right? And so that's how we see the turtle. Um, we have a basket to represent the California baskets in our mural. And I, I just think that uh, it's a great representation. It's a great teaching tool for students here at Pitzer College. Um, these were created to be able to teach off the murals and, and talk about the history of the Tongva people. That's what was important to us.
Beautifully explained by Julia Bogny, we can better understand the history of the Tongva people through creative art forms such as murals. Each detail included is intentional and holds significant meaning not only to the Tongvan community themselves, but also to learners and the outside world. Recognizing indigenous artwork allows us to draw connections between modern art and how the influence of indigenous art is often disregarded and perceived as transformed or altered Western art. Through anti-colonial gestures, art can be decolonized to bring non-European work like the Tongvin Grandmother Mural to the forefront so that it can be widely known. By using a critical refugee studies framework, we see how the opportunity to express themselves creatively on a wide platform allows individuals of the indigenous community to come together and share their stories that way that they want. This agency allows the community to place value on the key stories relevant to their histories so that their culture can be preserved. Turning to another art form used by the Gabrielino Tongva tribe, music and chanting accompanied by traditional dances are used in celebration and other ritualistic ceremonies. Hearing chants from the tribe as they celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, we also have the chance to hear from a tribe chief, Anthony Redblood Morales himself, as he highlights the importance of such practices. We, we have to do the best that we can to continue uh, just keeping the culture going in the memory of our ancestors. That way they wouldn't have died in vain. This is why we continue singing and praying to our ancestors. So it's important that not only for our culture, but your culture, that your children learn their dances, their songs, your ceremonies, your festivities. You keep passing it on to the children. Chants and dancing are one of the many important traditions that are passed down to future generations and Tongvin children. The tribe signifies how these traditions must be preserved as a way of remembering and celebrating their people. As we come to a conclusion, we would like to highlight the importance of acknowledging the Gabrielino Tongva people, not only in the past, but in the present, and to continue to carry their wisdom and presence into the future. It is not enough to simply read the land acknowledgement without drawing true connection to its people, the ancestors, and the land. It is crucial to remain in openness and learning and unlearning to work towards continuing to build community and awareness in a combined effort to bring healing to this land. we invite you to listen to a poem and land acknowledgement titled State of Our Earth Address by Gabrielino Tongva Artists Kelly Caballero and Megan Durame that was presented during the Hollywood Climate Summit in 2020. Please take a moment to allow gratitude to enter your hearts as you listen to this short clip from the poem that discusses healing our earth and the sacred land. 
We also encourage you to listen to the full poem and watch the accompanying YouTube video in the link which can be found on the Distorted Footprints website. Come with us. We'll make our way east past the copper smudge of smog to the summit of the San Gabriel Mountains. We'll show you Tovangar through our eyes. Tovangar from Topanga to Kohuenga to Yangna. From Hotukna to Pimunga. You'll see the Los Angeles basin is studded with village sites, with reminders of those who came before us, our ancestors, who lived in service to this land. Our homeland, our LA, is a city that is stuccoed in concrete and pavement. And today, we, the Tongva, are still practicing the traditions of our ancestors. Our responsibility as original caretakers of this land is why we're here today. We thank you for listening. We now invite you to listen to our second episode of season three about Palestine refugees and their understanding of home.